You are listening to a Sunday sermon from St. Thomas Episcopal Church in Bellevue, Washington. We are a community that seeks God's presence, serves Christ in others, and grows together in our faith. Welcome to our podcast. The following sermon was preached on the 17th Sunday after Pentecost, September 27, 2020, by the Reverend Lex Breckenridge, Rector at St. Thomas. and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things and who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven or was it of human origin? They argued with one another. If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And he said to him, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same, and he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the, prost- and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw him, you did not change your minds and believe him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Well, I've been in law school for about a week when one day in my civil procedure class I was called on by the professor to answer a question. Now, I've been accustomed as an undergraduate to think that when a teacher asked me a question, that she or he want to know if I knew certain facts, or maybe even want to know what opinion I might hold on uh, a particular issue. Well, as I was to discover that morning, Luther McDougall, my civil procedure professor, didn't have the slightest interest in my opinions, or my views, or whether I knew any facts at all beyond the simple underlying facts of the case that was under discussion. No, Professor McDougall wasn't at all interested in what I was thinking, but he was very interested in how I was thinking. And to get to that, he proceeded to turn me inside out, challenging me and pushing me and posing one hypothetical situation after another, rolling his eyes at whatever answer I gave him. After about three or four minutes of this, he moved on to his next victim, I mean the next student and left me feeling totally naked, completely exposed for the intellectually shallow fraud that I was. I left class that day with my head spinning. If I'd learned anything, it was that my old way of thinking wouldn't do. I had to change. 
But change felt really scary, really hard. Now, Luther McDougall did for me what all great teachers do. He didn't teach me a new set of facts. He didn't teach me a new ideology or a new belief system. He taught me a new way of encountering the world. He tore down my old way of thinking, and then, not so gently, I might add, led me to construct for myself a new way of thinking, a way of critical thinking, a way of looking at situations and fact patterns to see what's really going on underneath. And most importantly, without imposing any of uh, my preconceived opinions or ideologies or belief systems on the situation I was trying to analyze, that was so important. And not to bring my own prejudices, my own preconceived ideas into a situation so I could, I could sort of shoehorn the situation uh, to fit the, you know, what I wanted the outcome to be. And Luther McDougall turned me inside out so that something new could be born. You know, that's what parables do. That's why Jesus' parable style of teaching was so important. Because Jesus knew that if he just uh, stood up and, and started reciting facts, well, some people would listen, some people wouldn't, and, and really no one would change. But instead, he used this parable style of teaching to, to challenge the, the preconceived ideas and ideologies and notions that, that we all care. He used this parable style of teaching to really turn his listeners inside out. And think about the parable that we read last Sunday, the parable of the laborers in the vineyard. You know, one, one guy starts at 9 o'clock, one guy starts at noon, one guy starts at 5, and to their great surprise, the landowner pays them all the same. And the, and the guy who started not, I said, that's not fair. That's not fair. And, and the, the owner of the, of the vineyard says, who are you to complain about that? Who are you to tell me what's fair and what's not fair? Isn't this, isn't this mine to, to give? And of course, the point that Jesus was making is that in God's economy, fairness isn't the point. In God's economy, it's, it's abundance that's the point. There's grace enough for everyone. Grace flows. Right? So that, that, that parable, and that's a tough parable for people. But it, it invites us into a new way of seeing the world. That, it's, that, the, that the world isn't a, a closed system, a, a system of scarcity, where one person's gain is another person's loss. No, God's world is a world of abundance, where there is enough for everybody. And that's what justice means in the Hebrew Scriptures. That's what justice means. There's enough for everyone. But man, that challenges our way of thinking, doesn't it? And, of course, this morning, this is exactly what Jesus is doing. I mean, he's been teaching in the temple, and that really offended the religious establishment. Who did he think he was? I mean, he didn't have any word salad after his name. He didn't have a PhD or a JD or the right reverend this or the most holy reverend that. He didn't have any credentials, which meant he didn't have any authority, at least in their eyes. So, once again, these religious professionals try to trap this upstart by asking him a, a trick question. Jesus turns the question around on them and they give him a kind of a nonsense answer. And then he asks them another question. What do you think? And then he tells them a parable. Seems that there was a man who had two sons. 
man went to the first son and said, please go to work in my vineyard today. I won't, the son replied. Now, parents of adolescent boys, this sounds familiar, doesn't it? Now, Jesus' culture, for a son to openly defy his father was just humiliating to the father. It was shocking behavior. But after thinking about it for a while, the, the son regretted defying his father, so he goes to work. Now, the father goes to the second son and makes the same request. Sure, Dad, I'll go to work right away. And then he heads off to the U district to go drink beer with his friends or, or sometimes. <laughs> Any place besides that damn vineyard. Which of the two sons did the will of the father, Jesus asks. Reluctantly, because of the humiliation of the first son's open defiance that caused the father, the religious authorities say, well, we suppose the first, the one who finally went. Jesus then turns their answer back at him and says, you know, tax collectors and prostitutes will enter the kingdom of heaven ahead of you. When John spoke, they got it right. They were changed. They were transformed. You didn't. You didn't let John transform your way of thinking. You didn't let John change you. You didn't let John lead you into a new world. You know, that was really hard for the religious authorities. I mean, they thought they were doing the right things. But they'd grown so attached to their comfortable belief system, to their own ideas of right and wrong, it was hard for them to see anything new. First John the Baptist and then Jesus suggests that they trade in their old belief system for a fresh experience of God. But they just couldn't wrap their minds around that. They thought they'd said yes to God, but they'd acted out a huge no to Jesus. Now Jesus is suggesting they might be in for a surprise. Jesus told them that people, they couldn't stand we're going into the kingdom ahead of them. Now, not instead of them, mind you. And you hear that note of grace in the parable. That's really important for us to remember that. Just ahead of them. People who may have said no at the beginning, but then who woke up and changed their minds and went to work in the vineyard. Unlike the respectable religious authorities, the ones who had said yes, and then refused to go because they continued to mistake obedience to their own belief systems to obedience to God. The great theologian Soren Kierkegaard once said, Jesus wants followers, not admirers. So let me ask you this. In this moment, are you a follower of Jesus or are you an admirer? I'm asking myself the same thing, I guarantee you. You know, and what about tomorrow morning? And the next morning and the next? Which of the brothers will you choose to be? Which of the brothers will I choose to be? The one who at first says no, but then changes his mind, and changes his heart, and goes to the vineyard and follows? Or will you and I be the other son? The one who says with such piety, Oh, sure, Father, anything you say. And then goes back to you know, reading the paper or surfing the internet or complaining about the state of affairs the world is in. My prayer is that tomorrow morning I'll be the first. 
We'll see. You know, the religious authorities are like the guy who says, don't confuse me with the facts. Even though they saw and heard John the Baptist, they still didn't change their mind, Jesus points out to them. Now, it's the failure to change that lies at the heart of their problem. Remember that piece of grace in the parable? The religious authorities don't get left out. They just have to wait. They just have to wait for the doers to go first. So it's always up to us. Will we be followers or admirers? Will we go to the vineyard and work, or will we stand on the sidelines and cheer? Change your mind, Jesus says to the Pharisees and to us. What will we say? More importantly, what will we do? I'm going to invite you once again to consider coming to our Sacred Grounds program that uh, we're going to be offering on Wednesdays this year. I think it's a, it's, it's a uh, profoundly important time for us uh, here at St. Thomas and in the life of our country to consider uh, issues around racial justice and healing and reconciliation. Come and let yourself be challenged. Come and let yourself uh, be confronted by some of the things, and in, in, certainly I'm, I'm ready for this, hoping for this, wanting this for myself, confronted by some things that I've taken for granted and that have gotten in the way of my heart opening, gotten in the way of my heart uh, being vulnerable, gotten in the way of me changing. Now, I really hope you'll join us. You will find some of this to be challenging, I can, I can assure you. And I think, though, ultimately, you will find it to be life giving Because we're going to do this together. This is not going to be, you know, Father Steve or me just lecturing and then, you know, you going off and thinking about it. We're going to do this as a... As, as, a, a, as group conversations, small group conversations, where we'll be in dialogue with each other, we'll be in conversation with each other. And, and my, my great hope is that we will all grow and change together. And that, yeah, some of us, some of it will be hard, but, but at, at the end of the day, the parables are hard. The parables were hard, yet they were life-changing. So, in this, in this time of, of great uh, anxiety, this time of great uh, unknowing about what the future holds, what can we do? And I, I, I got to, many of you all get the, the, um, the sermon preview that I try to send out on Fridays and Saturdays yesterday. I heard back from several people saying, I, I'm, I was glad to see this because I don't know what to do right now. Well, one thing we can all do is commit to being followers and not admirers. And that's going to look different for everybody. But, but once again, come back to that, to that question. Today, tomorrow, the next day, the next day after that. Will you be a, a, an admirer or will you be a follower? And if you're going to be a follower, that's going to require some change. That's going to require some uh, stepping into a bit of the unknown. You know, I love uh, what, what the Apostle Paul uh, says this morning in his letter to the Philippians. It says, Therefore, my beloved, just as you have obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, here it is. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Work out your salvation in fear and trembling. 
In other words, it's not going to be easy. There will be, there will be moments of, of fear. There will be moments of, of, of anxiety as we, as we work out our salvation. And what, what, of course, salvation means, you know, you've heard me say this a hundred times, the root word of salvation is the Latin word salvus, which means health, healing, wholeness. So we, along with God, are working out our healing. We're working out our wholeness. And yeah, it's going to be hard. There will be fear and trembling. But that fear and trembling is God at work in us. God calling us to something different. Enabling us to both to will and to work for God's good pleasure. Amen. For more information about St. Thomas Episcopal Church, please visit our website, www.stthomasmedina.org. That's www.stthomasmedina.org.